Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book. I'm a registered dietitian, and now what? Where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Amy Plano, a registered dietitian who left med school after the second year to find passion in her career with dietetics. She embraces all the pivots she has experienced as a dietitian, and she's found what really lights her up, and that's helping other dietitians earn their worth by taking insurance and billing for their valuable services. Please enjoy my conversation with Amy. minute. Um, but that doesn't let us have enough conversation time. So I want to kind of to get to know you a little bit better and your journey and your start with dietetics and all the great things you're doing now. So will you take me back to the time where you kind of discovered dietetics or how did you get interested in it? How did I get interested in dietetics? I think I, you know, just I kind of was a typical athlete. So I played soccer, ice hockey, and lacrosse in high school, and then I went on to play Division One, um, the soccer and lacrosse. Um, and so for me, it was kind of like a natural um, progression, just from like a human performance standpoint. Um, so just kind of learning how to fuel, um, and and I've always been fascinated with food, <laughs> as I sh- as I'm sure like, a lot of dietitians are. Um, yes. You know, kind of always in the kitchen with my Italian mama, you know, always looking to get out and go study abroad and go eat some cool food. <laughs> so, I like it. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of just kind of evolved into kind of the nutrition path based on just kind of my interest in kind of optimizing my performance and then my love of food. <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, to go to college just in general is hard, but to do you're like a dual athlete. So how did you, that's a lot to balance. Yeah. I don't think I would ever do it again, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of my patients, when they're looking at schools or they're asking me about, you know, like my thoughts on it. And I don't think I would recommend it. I think that what happens in college is your seasons overlap. So like my lacrosse season would start in kind of like the end of November and, um, you know, when I was just finishing out my soccer season and I kind of felt like throughout high school and then into college that like, I never really got to be like a kid because like I played, you know, three sports in in high school, then two sports in college and there just wasn't a lot of time. So, um, yeah, so I, I don't think I would recommend that if somebody is super passionate about it, I just kind of did it because I think I felt like it's what I should have done. Um, but in hindsight, it would have been really cool to just be like, you know, like a college, you know, in college. Yeah. And just feel like, yeah. <laughs> just enjoy that experience. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Without any consequences. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Now, did you major in dietetics then or did you did you kind of know from the get go? No, not at all, actually. So my path is somewhat untraditional. So I um I did I was a biochem undergrad and then I actually applied to med school and did two full years of med school um, before deciding that that wasn't my path. So, um, wow. Yeah. So I I did two years and then I actually moved down to Costa Rica. (laughs) And um, yeah, and I lived in Costa Rica. I worked in a hospital down there. And then when I came back was actually when I got involved 
in um, dietetics proper. So I had a I had applied to um, uh, a PhD program up at UConn um, in Storrs, Connecticut, and I had to get a second bachelor's, like many dietitians, in dietetics. So my undergrad was obviously in biochem. And so while they took all my sciences, I got, I had to go back and get a full bachelor's, um, you know, kind of why, while being in grad school. So wow. yeah, That's a lot yeah. Too. you're really good at multitasking. Uh, I don't know about that, I don't know about that but I, I, I felt like I made the right decision. I don't think my parents thought that I made the right decision. Um, but I, I have no regrets about anything. I mean, all, you know, I've learned from all those experiences and I don't see anything like, you know, I'm sure my parents were like, you know, you've got a million dollar education. Like, what are you doing growing dreadlocks and living in Costa Rica? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you needed a sabbatical to figure out your life. And I think, yes, exactly. So, um, but yeah, it it ended up being just fine. Yeah. So I'm a pretty happy kid. I'm a pretty happy 42 year old. And, um, I don't really have any regrets about that whole process. Um, cause I think a lot of dietitians have kind of traditional, untraditional paths. They're um, very true. That is yeah. Very true. Yeah. I think it's interesting though, that you like to commit, I couldn't commit to med school. Like I knew before I had taken the MCAT and I was like, okay, this time I something, something felt wrong when I was taking the MCATs and when I was like filling out the applications, but you actually attended med school for two years, which that's a commitment. And then to not, to feel like you had the strength to be like, I got to walk away from this. That's yeah. Yeah. And it was actually kind of it's similar to kind of what you're saying is that like, I didn't like it at all. I felt it was very like, um, cutthroat. I felt it was very competitive. Um, and once again, I mean, I played competitive sports, but I'm like, um, I guess not a socialist. That's not, not you know what I mean, I like everybody to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in the world of medicine, which is, you know, which in, you know, the late nineties, early 2000 was predominantly dominated by, by males, um, you know, and, you know, it was a, you know, I didn't enjoy it at all. And, and I didn't foresee myself enjoying it long-term, you know, working in that environment. I'm just not, even though, like I said, I played sports for so long, I'm not a competitive person with other people. I'm competitive with myself. And so, yeah. So that was like a surreal experience. It was like the first time in my life where I was like, I'm good. Like <laughs> I'm all set here. You yeah. know, like, this is done. Um, well, I think that's amazing that you made that decision. That's something to be very proud of. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. So you had to go back and do undergrad dietetics, but you were getting your master's degree. Yes. What is your, what's your master's in then? So my, my master's in just is, is just in human nutrition. Got yeah. It. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great, I am, so my, I worked in a protein lab. So I worked in a human performance lab um, and I specialize in a specific amino acid called leucine. Um, yeah. So I work with athletes. So that's how I started. Um, you know, I started my career prior to, prior to be, being a, a dietitian um, in research. And so um, I worked right. in a protein lab and worked with endurance athletes. So did you um, kind of feel like you were going to go down that sports nutrition path? Is that kind of your initial thought? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just really interesting, you know, being an, I'm going to say an older dietitian, but watching and you know, being a mentor to younger dietitians and new dietitians, everybody's so, you know, this kind of obsession with niching down. Um, it fascinates me because I find as a dietitian who's kind of 
done many different things in her career, it's like, it's never crossed my mind that I had to niche down. So I started with athletes and, um, I started with specializing in, you know, eating disorders and athletes. Um, once I became an RD, um, and then I completely pivoted and I went to PCOS and, you know, I, now I work with patients that are 800 pounds, you know what I mean? So it's like, I find it fascinating that some like people feel badly, dietitians feel badly if they don't niche down. Um, and for me, it's like, I'm always like, what's the next pivot? <laughs> like, where am I? You know I mean, I, I don't, I don't feel pigeonholed by that at all. And I don't think in order to be successful, you have to niche down. Um, yeah. So, you know, so it just was an interesting, you know, so I did, so I, you know, so while I was doing my grad work, I had applied for my internship and, um, I did my internship at Yale, which is in New Haven, Connecticut, which is obviously not that far from, from where I lived. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And then I just got hired as, as a clinical dietitian, um, on my internship graduation. So Nice. Um, yeah. So that was a score. Yeah. So I got a job, which was great. And, um, I worked outpatient. So it was a part-time, uh, outpatient gig. And, um, uh, at the time somebody had asked me to teach some like local university courses in a dietetics program. Um, and so that one course led into two, which actually led into a full-time position teaching, um, mm as well as, you know, doing my clinical job, um, at Yale. Wow. Um, yeah. And then I was side hustling. Um, I started my practice, um, when I was an intern, so like 2006. And so in addition to doing my clinical job and teaching, um, I would see patients when I would get out of teaching. And then I would also see them on Saturdays and Sundays. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so when, when did you sleep? When did you like eat and sleep and so No, it was crazy. And I, I like I loved every second of it. I don't I don't know why. I just felt like, you know, because I knew at the end of the day at some point, like I would be my own boss, but I knew that it wasn't gonna happen overnight. So I just knew that I kind of had to grind it out um until I built my practice. And that's kind of what I did. And I did it for a pretty long time. I did that that combination of three jobs are probably like probably about eight years. Um, oh, wow. So quite a yeah. long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I didn't mind my job at Yale. I, I didn't mean I was a clinical outpatient dietitian. Um, you know, I kind of do what I do now in my private practice. Um, I like the academic piece. Um, clearly, obviously, being like a professional student, like many dietitians, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a safe place to fall. And um, yeah, and then I knew that I always wanted to have a private practice. So when I started my practice, like I said, I really specialized in eating disorders, um, very specifically um, elite, elite caliber division one. Uh, eating disorders. So like more of like, um, obviously females as well. So, and a lot, like a lot of dietitians, I think that that seems like a natural progression. Like people are very interested in eating disorders. Um, now intuitive eating and kind of, you know, those kind of concepts, but I learned right away, probably within the first two years of my practice, that that's not an area that I wanted to specialize in. Um, you know, it's just between the two other jobs, it was just, it was mentally more challenging than I had anticipated. Um, and there was a lot of, 
extracurricular, like, you know, phone calls with parents, phone calls with therapists. Um, and that time, you know, at the time in like early, you know, late, late 2000, like kind of 2008, that time wasn't compensated for, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it just was, it was very draining. So, um, yeah, I think that's a good point to make about like, like you said before, like you pivoted lots of times in your career, (laughs) which I think is good because I think (laughs) your experiences though, and the things that you do help you determine those directions and a job that's mentally like draining. I mean, you can't sustain that for a long period of time. No, no, no. And it's just, I, I'm a firm believer that like, you have to enjoy what you do. I mean, we go to school for so long for dietetics and some of us, yes. <laughs> some of us more so than, than others. But, um, by the time you become a dietitian, like you, you have so much invested in your education and in yourself, I think kind of more importantly. And so I really feel like for, you know, the, the way that I look at our field is that you should be really doing what you enjoy or, or, or what kind of lights you up um, or what makes you happy. There's so many cool jobs in dietetics um, that people can explore. And so I think there's something for everybody. And if there's not, you know, you just create what it is that you want it to be for you. Yes. Um, and that, like I said, that's, that's what I think is really neat about our profession. Um, so it does make me sad when I see dietitians who are in positions um, that they don't enjoy or that they just felt like they had to take. And I get that. We, I, I understand why people have to do that. Um, but it just makes me a little bit sad because there's so many cool areas of our field that people can explore. And like you said, can create, which is what yeah. you, you kind of planned on from the get-go. You're like, Absolutely. I know I want to be a business owner, so I'm just going to start it now and see where it goes. Absolutely. So when you So you kind of thought, oh, I'm going to do... Um, eating disorders and you realize, yeah, probably not going to do that. When did, what did you shift to kind of next? What was the next pivot for you? Then I think I kind of went back to my roots. I went more back to like sport nutrition. And so, you know, I was still pretty active, you know I mean? As I got out of sports, like kind of formalized sports, I kind of got into like triathlons and uh, long distance endurance races and things like that because I kind of needed like another outlet. And so then people kind of became you know, kind of knew where I was like within the fitness arena. Um, and then they would start to kind of refer, you know, you know, kind of athletes and, you know, uh, you know, children and things like that to me. And so, so then I kind of pivoted to what I thought I really enjoyed, which was athletes. Um, and I probably did that for a couple of years and I'm like, you know what? Athletes aren't super fun to work with. They're not. <laughs> and once again, they don't light me up. Um, so at the time when I was working at the clinic at Yale, um, my boss had actually asked me to develop um, a clinic for women with PCOS. Um, and that was very new at the time. It wasn't, uh, it was very uncharted territory. And so I worked with the fertility specialist at the center that we had at Yale. And I created this really cool clinic for women with PCOS um, from a dietary standpoint. So how are we going to manage that? And most women who have PCOS, um, they tend to be overweight. There's a very high prevalence of that. And that keeps them from qualifying for in vitro or IVF. They have to have a BMI Mm -hmm. under 40 
So we couldn't, we developed this really kind of cool cutting edge clinic at Yale and that kind of became my new passion. So I kind of, you know, kind of slid out, pivoted again, eating disorders to athletes. And then, you know, I was developing this clinic at Yale um, and I, and I continued to do that throughout my tenure at Yale. And then the cool thing was when I gave my notice at Yale and it was time to go kind of full throttle into private practice uh, they dissolved the clinic and their relationship with Yale. And now they just automatically refer to me, which was like, really? Very, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a very unusual circumstance. Wow. Rather than hire another dietitian, they just kind of said, you know what? Like we're going to dissolve this relationship. You're right up the road. You know, you take all of these insurances and you know, our patients the best. And so yeah, so that was one of my, that has always been probably since 2013-ish, probably one of my biggest referring sources is the Yale Fertility Center, um, which has been great. Yeah, yeah. That's so, amazing. Well, yeah, that just shows that, cool. <laughs> well, it's unusual, but I think it shows a lot about you as a dietitian. Like they value, like they really valued what you're doing, what you did to help set it up and that you're available to continue the service. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I, and I did, I, you know, I really enjoy working in that population and I had a lot of really cool opportunities where, you know, they, um, I wrote a chapter, two chapters, um, in a physician's textbook on PCOS. Um, I got two kind of book deals off of that to write cookbooks and then one on the dash diet in PCOS. So nice. there a lot of really cool opportunities um, by just saying yes, you know what I mean? I, when they asked me, will you start this clinic? You know, I didn't know long-term that that would be a pivot point <laughs> or a niche. And I, you know what I mean? And um, I just kind of went with it. And um, yeah, so so I specialize now in PCOS and that's part of my practice, which is cool. And I have, um, you know, physicians that refer to me kind of all over kind of the East coast, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So it's been a really neat opportunity, um, and a lovely population to work with. Um, there's nothing better than working with patients that need help. Um, I definitely have a lot of patients who are non-compliant and, um, I don't want to say that they waste my time, but it's great to work with somebody that's eager to have a baby, um, and their nutritional status depends on it. So it's, it's kind of like a whole different beast. And I, and I have to say, I really enjoy that population more so than I probably thought that I would. I mean, I don't have kids. I, I personally don't have an interest in having kids. Um, so the fact that it's, you know, I get to kind of help people, you know, make babies on some yeah. level, you know what I mean? Like, you know, if they don't lose weight then they don't qualify for IVF and if they right. don't qualify for IVF, many of them can't have, have children on their own. So, wow. Now, yeah. and like you think about post PCOS, like I'm, you know, we're the same age. You're, I'm a little older, but there wasn't a whole lot of nutrition no. education on that whole thing. So how did no. you, how did you like navigate that whole, like educating yourself and figuring it yeah. all out? That's such a good question. And I remember, like, I remember the conversation with my clinical manager at Yale. I remember walking out the clinic, I, you know, probably to go get lunch. And she's like, Hey, Aim, like, you know, you're going to start like a PCOS clinic. And I'm like, what? Like, Um, but I'm also one of those people that like, I don't really mind change. I, you know, I mean, I, I think, you know, I don't know. I just, it doesn't change is good. 
Yeah, I'm a pretty optimistic, pretty half full. Um, so I was like, yeah. So I just kind of bunkered down and kind of started to investigate. And, you know, the obviously the underlying issue with women with PCOS is insulin resistance. So, you know, we treat them very much as we would treat somebody with diabetes. They're on many of the same medications. Um, yeah, so I kind of had to look from a clinical standpoint, like what are some of, like what can I grasp on? And what helps diabetic patients lose weight or what do we need to manage and, and how do we manage it best? Um, so, yeah, so it was a little bit more challenging, but it was also really rewarding because to your exact point, like at that time, like nobody knew what that was. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And as it becomes more popular because it's diagnosed and we're seeing, you know, it more documented, um, that definitely wasn't the case. Um, then and so yeah and I mean it's it's really interesting to see as somebody who's been doing who's been working with women with PCOS um, in the social media realm to see so many other dietitians emerging kind of under the same umbrella yeah um, I've seen that yeah. too yeah you know what I mean and, it, and it's interesting to see their approaches and and what they're doing I mean I don't really promote my private practice because it kind of runs itself which is pretty cool um, and so. I don't do a lot from a marketing standpoint with PCOS, but, mm -hmm. you know, on Instagram, I mean, everybody, you know, there's so many different dietitians, like, you know, even that I can just think of off the top of my head, um, you know, kind of doing that. So it's, it's, it's cool to see, um, you know, and, you know, obviously I kind of feel like I like a big sister, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's been pretty cool to see that. And, um, yeah, and all for dietitians getting into that field because it's just a, the population is, it, the demographic is great to work with. Yeah. And is that why you got your CDE then? Uh, you know what? I had my CDE, um, just because when I was in the clinic, I was working, working with diabetics and, gotcha. uh, yeah. And I just thought it would be good to have, um, you know, now in private practice, you know, I, I often, I mean, I, I renew it every five years and, you know, I don't think it's as important once you've established yourself in the, you know, I mean, I do it more from an educational standpoint. Mm -hmm. I don't think that doctors refer particularly to just to me because I'm a CDE. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I think it's great to have if that's the population that you're going to work with. Um, but I always tell dietitians, I think I got like a 3% raise or, you know, at Yale yeah. because of it. And like 3% of nothing is like still nothing. So, yeah. So, you know what I mean? So, but I, I'm happy that I have it and I'm happy I have that education. And then one of the dietitians on my team, she's also a CPE. She's from the Jocelyn Diabetes Center in Boston. So, you know, I'd rather the patient see her than me. Um, she's much more, she's cooler than I am. So it's perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really yeah. good. So yeah. obviously your business is all virtual, I'm assuming. No, you know what? So I'm like a, a traditional brick and mortar. Yeah. Like okay. I'm like you like, um, so this, this whole telehealth thing is kind of new for me. And, you know, it, it was interesting. I did a seminar on telehealth, like at the beginning of this and, of the pandemic. And I was kind of laughing because I'm like, I'm just as new to all of this telehealth as everybody else. So my, so my office is a brick and mortar. Um, I have 
two dietitians right now who work for me, um, one pretty much full-time, one part-time, um, and we're mostly insurance-based. So we see about 250 patients a month. We're a pretty big practice. Wow. Pretty, uh, yeah, so pretty high-volume <laughs> practice. Huh? Yeah, and um, we're mostly, you know, not during the pandemic. We're we're a brick and mortar. Like, I don't, I got to tell you, I mean, once again, you know, you and I are kind of older dietitians per yes. se, but like, I'm not interested in doing virtual long-term. Um, I like to see my patients. I like to hang out with them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's very different. I think kind of coming into this as a non-telehealth dietitian and having to pivot once again, um, I'm happy to do it, you know, and, and my income has stayed steady. Um, it hasn't changed at all, actually, during the pandemic because we are able to do telehealth. Um, but I'm looking forward to in the fall or maybe next winter when people are getting back into offices to go back to my office. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of rules and regulations regarding telehealth. And I don't think that dietitians who think about every everybody who wants to go into private practice wants to be virtual. But I don't think that people understand the magnitude of what that entails, um, you know, from a licensure standpoint. Um, I think there's a lot of dietitians that kind of forget that we do have some licensure rules in the United States. And um, so for me, I prefer to kind of counsel patients in Connecticut, um, kind of do my thing and, and take insurance for it. So, yeah. Which that kind of leads into kind of what your platform is on Instagram, on social media. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Kind of billing for insurance. So maybe talk about that a little bit because sure, again, yeah. like we're those older dietitians. So billing... <laughs> Billing for insurance and billing for patient care is something that we kind of learned in our profession where a lot of the newer dietitians haven't. So maybe talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. So once again, I pivoted. So I got a, you know what I mean? And I was, you know, I'd grown my practice and hired dietitians and, and my income was, was awesome from, from billing insurance. And, And I, my husband used to always say to me like, Amy, why aren't more people doing what you're doing? I don't understand. You know, you kill it. And you know, you're able to pay the dietitians like awesome and they're happy and everybody's happy. Why aren't more dietitians, tons of dietitians in the United States? Why aren't more of them doing it? And I said, you know, there's this huge learning gap between like, you know, and there's also this fear and this sense of overwhelmment when it comes to accepting insurance, because I know when I did it in 2000, you know, started in 2006 and got credentialed in 2007, as soon as I graduated from my internship, like I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And there was really social media. I mean, there was no reimbursement dietitian. Like, I don't even think it's, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so it's, yeah. So, um, I think so in like 2018, um, I decided that, um, you know, I was going to stop taking new patients in my practice and really start to develop the coaching piece to help other dietitians get credentialed, learn how to bill, and then really make the money that they deserve as a registered dietitian. Um, yeah, so I've created coaching programs, both one-on-one, uh, group coaching programs, and then I do consulting And for me, the goal is how can I take like the overwhelm, like that sense of like your throat's kind of closing up, (laughs) you know, and because it's the one, once again, insurance was not always like a bowl of cherries. It wasn't always rainbows and unicorns because prior to 2015, uh, the, you know, in the Affordable Care Act and a lot of the changes in care and how we, how we distribute care and get paid for care was very different. So 
it was funny. I was just in my office this afternoon and I was, I was uploading some EOBs. So explanation of uh, payments, um, some old ones, cause I wanted to use them as some resources for the two of the groups that I have right now that I'm running. And the pay rates were like one, I think it was one third of like what we get now for the yeah. same service. Yeah. So I wanted the dietitians to see like that was, I had like 2012 EOBs that were in my office and, um, yeah. So it's, it's been really cool to see, like, it's been really cool to see, you know, I was in it to win it. Like when we were like not making awesome money and now, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Now it's just, it's, it's paying it's, off. Yeah. It's <laughs> literally. Off. Yeah. And I, and I never had any interest in stopping to do, you know what I mean? I, I would have continued doing it at the rate that I was doing it. Cause I was still making killer money. I was still making like you know, two or three times as much as I was making as a clinical dietitian. Mm-hmm. But now the fact that the care is so expansive and no referrals, no co-pays, um, it's just really changed. And I think that's a hard message to get to dietitians because everybody thinks that reimbursement rates are so poor and that nothing is covered. And, you know, as a dietitian who's kind of been there and done it um, and, and been through the storm, it's like there's never been a better time to be a reimbursement-based dietitian. I mean, like I said, my income was unwavering. You know what I mean? Sure. March, April, and May. You know what I mean? I just looked at my numbers for May. Like they're, you know what I mean? They're they're up from last May, um, but they're good. You know what I mean? And you know, as people's kind of belts get tighter, and you know, people want to utilize their their benefits, and and they have them, so. Yeah, it's been, you know, like what brings me like the most joy is what is helping dietitians actualize and realize their worth. Um, And when I get to see, I had a dietitian I was working with in New Jersey yesterday. She has this little spreadsheet of like, you know, she's just like nine patients now and she's like killing it. And it's so fun to see. You know, she's making like 200 to like $220 an hour. And I'm like, get it, girl. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so exciting. I mean, she's like in her 20s. And I'm just like, that is amazing. And um, yeah, that brings me joy. Because, yeah, it's just neat to see. That makes me really happy. Dietitian making money makes me happy. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So if a dietitian came to you and said, hey, can you help me? What you have a program, small group coaching that you do with them? What's kind of how do you help them navigate? What are some of the steps that you help them with? Yeah, yeah. And and, um, also on my website, I also have like cheat sheets and and a bunch of... So one of the things that I really wanted to do was obviously monetize this, but also have it really... What's the word? So very like, so more leverage, meaning like, there's something for everybody. There's tons mm-hmm. of free resources and there's free resources for getting people started. So if somebody had, you know, they had no money, they couldn't, you know, put it towards coaching or consulting, they could go to my website and get started, you know, click on the cheat sheet. It gives them the first five steps, things they need to do right now to start taking insurance. So, you know, so it's really important for me that there was really great resources. So there's business resources. There's, uh, you know what I mean? So that was an important piece that I wanted to have something for everybody. Um, you know, then I have like, you know, different starter kits. So things that if you needed form, so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So okay. different price points for all different dietitians. And then I send out like a weekly newsletter with different tips. And then obviously on Instagram, I'm trying to give as many resources as I possibly can. So 
as much as it's great and I'm, I'm a huge fan of dietitians making money, um, I also think it's really important, you know, to, to provide resources to dietitians who are struggling. So um, I feel like there's a, like I offer a little bit of everything, um, you know, at, at a price point that's reasonable for everybody. Um, yeah. So that was really important for me. So building resources and a place for dietitians to go uh, when they learn, when they need to learn how to get credentialed and learn how to fail. I wanted to have resources that I didn't think that existed out there. And if it did, who knows where the heck it is? It's probably yeah. like buried somewhere in the Academy exactly. website. <laughs> yes. When people think of getting credentialed and learning how to build, I want them to think of me and I want them to think about the resources that I offer. Um, and, and also like, um, you know, if they just need help or they have questions, like I want them not to feel like they're alone in this whole process because clearly I was, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. like, and it was ugly, man. It was, it was not a pretty process. <laughs> Uh, you know I mean, there's nothing sexy about me getting credentialed and learning how to build. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I always say to myself, like my why is so people don't have to do go through what I went through. Well, thank you for going through it. I always, <laughs> like, how do you navigate? Cause you know, like every state is so different when it comes yeah. to their insurance plans and how they bill and how they cover. So do you stay up on all the states or how do you yeah. help clients yeah, with yeah. that? Great question. Yeah. So I'm pretty well versed with, with most of the states that have the ability to credential dietitians. So for example, like Michigan is a state where they don't credential dietitians. Um, And then Florida is a state where most of the networks are closed. So, you know, through my experience and, you know, then a lot of the insurances work very similarly because they're national, they're national programs. So Mm -hmm. like Blue Cross Blue Shield national Aetna, National, United, you know what I mean? So all of the major carriers follow the same set of rules. Okay. Um, the reimbursement rates are dictated by the state on a state level, but what will happen in Iowa isn't going to be drastically different than what's going to happen in Connecticut. Okay. Um, yeah, so there's, there's some fairly universal rules as it comes to reimbursement. Um, and then there's some wild cards. So you just kind of have to kind of like buckle in and, and be ready that it's probably not going to be super linear, um, but it's going to be pretty cohesive across the board in terms of coverage. And do you address like Medicare and Medicaid? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, so I do both of them. And um, I also happen to be the reimbursement rep for Connecticut. So what that oh. means is I am the volunteer who works with my affiliate And then I work with all the other affiliates, um, you know, with the Academy. So, yeah, so I get to keep up to date with all the information that's happening with all the other states because I'm part of, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm the representative for Connecticut. So, yeah, so I get to, um, I'm pretty pro, I've been billing Medicare since 2007. It was one of the first insurance companies that I credentialed with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's where a lot of dietitians have some issues with. So one of the things I'm working on now is doing like a free webinar on Medicare, like, you know, like an ABC, like I, I feel like a lot of dietitians I'm seeing on the Facebook pages that I participate with are really struggling with that. So I'm trying to think of how I can create a resource for that um, to kind of help them get them up, get out of the mud. It's a little sticky in there. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Medicare's tough. Like one little thing wrong and they're like, nope. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I know. And I, I laugh because I feel like I'm like the Medicare whisperer, like the <laughs> Because like like people all over the United States like send me their claims and I'm like wrong. I'm like okay, we're missing like you there and like this needs you know what I mean. And it's like it's like a little disturbing. Um, 
Yeah, it's messed up, but um, but it works out for the dietitian's favor. <laughs> yeah, well, that's awesome. I think that's great. I think it's what I, I think. What you're doing is fantastic because, like you said, there's so much that we're missing out on by not billing and not going after reimbursement from from companies because it has improved. The dietitian oh, services have totally improved. So, I think that's great that you're doing all of that. Yeah, I love it. I'm, I, I couldn't be happier like that. You know what I mean? Like I said, you pivot a little bit, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, it keeps me on my toes. Like you said, you know what I mean? In terms of dealing with other states as well. So yeah, I just think that nutrition never gets stagnant. Reimbursement definitely is like, <laughs> it's like a carnival sometimes. <laughs> well, I just know from my own experiences, because I have to do my own billing at my work and I used to hate it. But then I started following you and I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. Like I just need to like get my crap together and not get so frustrated and get it done. (laughs) So absolutely, I might have to call on you sometime and be like, okay, help me with this. Absolutely, I love it when dietitians do that. Like I love it when people DM me and are like, "Oh, I'm struggling with this. Like, can you give me some suggestions?" Because like those, you know, it's like what you may be struggling with or somebody else. It's like. I, you know, it's like, it will probably take me, you know, a short time to help you fix it. Where for me, like, you know what I mean? I was probably like two years to try to figure out, you know what I mean? Like, so I get it. Like, you know what I mean? So I love it. I'm surprised that more people don't DM me on Instagram, um, you know, with their questions. Um, I think I'm a pretty like transparent person and uh, I hope people see me as approachable, but I'm always happy to help if I can, you know what I mean? And there's something I, I don't completely understand in people's states, but um, I am like all, I'm all for helping other dietitians. Um, I think it's funny when dietitians don't help other dietitians, but that is so not me. So, um, yeah, always happy to help a hundred percent. That's awesome. So anything fun that you have different or exciting you have planned for your business or upcoming or anything? You said you're working on some webinars, maybe on Medicare. Yeah, webinars, you know what I mean? Um, I'm looking, I'm developing a, uh, I'm not a mastermind. Why am I blanking on it? A membership site. Yeah. Okay. So. So for something after dietitians go through my coaching program, we'll better have access to more um, business tools um, and, and kind of just kind of teach them how to grow their practice a little bit beyond the insurance piece. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was looking forward to like fancy and things like that. But I, you know, like from a fun standpoint, it just is, it's hard because there's like, you know what I mean? You don't know like what's for real. Right. <laughs> you know? I know. I know. It's kind of up in the air. <laughs> You want to plan cool stuff. I mean, I, you know, at one point I wanted to do a really cool retreat, um, you know, do some really neat stuff with like a small group of dietitians, but I don't know, COVID kind of put the, <laughs> the damper on I that. know. And if it comes back, it's kind of like, well, yes. you can't really plan anything because you don't know. Exactly. So, yeah. But I mean, you know, like I said, I'm a pretty happy kid, you know, so <laughs> that doesn't bother me. You know what I mean? There, there'll yeah. be, there's plenty of time for retreats in the future, as long as everybody's kind of safe and kind of doing their thing and happy. And um, that's all that matters. That's the most important thing. Well, that's awesome. Well, I think what you're doing is fantastic. And I'm so glad you've kind of like rejuvenated the whole reimbursement space. <laughs> because I'm I know trying, I needed girl. it. <laughs> I'm trying, man. <laughs> well, I, ha- I will definitely link um, everything in the show notes for your website and then also for your Instagram. Is Do you prefer Instagram for people to kind of yeah, reach out to you? I mean, I mean it's, it's funny that you ask because I'm so not like a social media person. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, I have a social media account just for business. I'm like such a loser. And like, I only follow dietitians. I know that sounds weird. You know what I mean? Like that's all and pop maybe a couple food accounts, but yeah, I like Instagram because I feel like it's accessible. Um, you know, for most of the dietitians who need my help, um, like I said, I probably wouldn't be on there if it wasn't for my business. It just doesn't seem like, I don't know, but yeah, that's the, that's the best place to find me. Um, and I do it from a, I'm strategic with my Instagram, meaning like I go on, like, um, I give myself, I have a timer on my phone and I only get like 20 minutes a day and then the little timer comes up and I have to get off. So (laughs) I get it. You have to, you're a busy woman. You cannot be wasting it on Instagram all day. And I love it though. Like that's what I mean. People are like, did you have a bad experience on Instagram? I'm like, no, I love it. But I know I have to limit myself. Otherwise I will love it too much. (laughs) Exactly. 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 All right. Well, I have the hard questions to finish our conversation up with today. Why don't you share with me some foods you enjoy, Amy? Foods I enjoy. I love all food. Um, I particularly prefer like junky food. (laughs) I just did like a Trader Joe's run today and I got like ghost pepper potato chips, uh, peanut butter um, filled pretzels, like, um, yeah. I'm a snacker. I, I love snacks. Like I could eat snacks. I like snacks and buffets. And I'm sad. Like a ponderosa or something dirty and disgusting like that. Um, yeah. Like, like, like I said, like, and like, you know, like, uh, People will say to me, you know, like they like chocolate. And I'm like, that's like too high class for me. I like like su- Swedish fish and red Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Dots at my wedding. And, did and my, you? Yes. I did a candy bar at my wedding. And my husband said to me, my husband said to me, you know, he pulled me aside. He's like, Aim, I don't know if people are going to be as down for this as, as like you are. I know you're super invested in it. <laughs> And like, like, you know, like, like grandmothers were like dropping elbows on people from like the docks. And I, I had like top rock and like, Oh, yeah. that's awesome. People probably all talk about your wedding and they say, Oh, do you remember the candy bar? That was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> The foods that I enjoy, I enjoy all foods, but the crappier generally like the better, like the junkier. (laughs) What about beverages? What kind of beverages do you enjoy? Beverages. um, I'm not a big drinker. I did most of my drinking before I was 21, unfortunately. Yeah, I do. (laughs) That doesn't really appeal to me anymore. So, um, yeah, I I, I like, you know what I mean? I just, like I said, I just did a big grocery run. So club soda, flavored club sodas, um, once again, I'm a bad dietitian. I like crystal light. Mm. I like derail. Once again, I know I'm a bad dietitian. No, but. that's okay. <laughs> we need those too, right? We need the dietitian yeah. to go rogue on occasion. Exactly. Um, scents or smells you enjoy? I like like a sandalwood or an amber. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or a fresh, like a cotton or like a linen. Yeah. And then things that you like to listen to when you're working or when you're playing, having fun. Yeah, I'm a little crazy, actually. So, like, I think the older I get, the crazier I get. And, like, I like complete silence. Like, my husband, when my husband watches TV at night, he's got these, like, 80s, like, Run DMC, like, um, (laughs) (laughs) he's like a dog. Like, he puts puts him on as soon as he turns the TV on. So, I'm, yeah, like, it's crazy. I think I just get, like, more crazy. Like, so, I like complete silence when I work. The same thing even when I'm cooking. Like, yeah, huh. yeah. I don't know why. I, I think maybe because I talk to people. Yeah, you know, like I can see that. Mm-hmm. So I like it to be quiet. Quiet time. Yeah. 
And I know you mentioned this before, but what brings you joy in life? Brings me joy in life. Dietitians making money, man. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes me real happy. That makes me like, uh, that lights me up. Um, seeing them lit up, that lights me up. Yeah. Well, that's awesome that you want to help dietitians. I think that's amazing. And we love you for it. So thank Yay! you. <laughs> and, I, and I love you guys for letting me help you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Amy, thank you so much for your time today. And um, yeah, I'll just keep looking forward to all the great things that you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I do appreciate it very much. Following Amy has really, truly ignited my fire when it comes to billing for insurance for my dietitian services. It can be very intimidating and frustrating, but the resources she has on her website, reimbursementdietitian.com, which is also linked in the show notes, is a great place to start to see if this path of dietetics is for you. She's got some great tips, sheets, and how to get started. And honestly, just speaking with her, just the energy that she has is very much worth connecting with her. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.